Hey, I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is swim success with music Yo, what up, music fam? This is Walt. This is Success With Music. I am your music coach, and you are listening to a podcast for singers, songwriters, beat makers, producers, music students. Hey, we are about that music life, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. And for those of you who are new to the show, as I mentioned, this is a podcast for musicians. We go over thoughts and tips and ideas in ways for you to get better at creating music, selling music, promoting music, everything. Anything that will help you to be more successful, that's what we're all about. And I do appreciate you listening to the show if you happen to be tuning in for the first time. And with that, I want to talk just a bit about today's upcoming episode of which, man, I am very, very, very excited about. And today's episode will deal with how to make your music just sound really big. I mean, full, uh, make it louder. I mean, if you got a banger, man, you want to make it bang, right? So today we're going to talk about making your music louder and um, really competing, if at all possible, with commercially released songs. So I know that's a tall order, man, but if you're putting your music out there for people to buy or for people to follow or to like online, that type of thing, you do want to up your game when it comes to sound and having the proper volume, man, and, and the proper loudness, that's going to play a major role. Hey, let's get it. I've been thinking about this episode for the past few weeks and I wanted to release some content on it a lot earlier than I am right now. But the problem is that when I sat down and started to go over my notes, over my thoughts for what I wanted to share in the episode, I just start to build a really big list of things that I believe will be very, very helpful for you to really achieve this sound. So the reason why I'm saying that is there's a lot of content and a lot of ideas I want to give you. I can't cover it all in today's episode. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to break this up into a multi-episode series or a multi-part series. There are numerous pieces that I want to share with you of which we can't get to today. So when I do follow up with these other parts, I want to make sure that you're able to grab them. So just go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Do it right now. We're out there on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on the other uh, platforms that you may listen to podcasts on. All right, so let's get into how to increase the volume of your overall track, your song that you're releasing uh, for people to listen to. So most of the tips that I'm going to provide for you, they 
should be able to be pulled off without you buying a lot of expensive plugins and equipment and things like that. You can get some of the stuff that I'm talking about by way of freeware and you can implement some of the techniques that I'm, I'm going to be mentioning throughout the series by using some great know-how, hence the reason why we're having this episode. All right, so if you are at the point of mixing your song, uh, you're at the point of mastering your song, you most certainly want to uh, to make sure that it has that commercial feel, right? Now, some of you who may be new to this concept and this idea of making your song loud, one, you may be thinking, uh, if you want your song loud, just turn it up. But I can assure you that it is not that easy. If you are to turn the volume of your song up beyond a certain point, which is uh, zero dB, by the way, zero decibels, you run the risk of clipping or going into the red. So if you're using a digital audio workstation or if you're using outboard gear, meaning like a soundboard or a mixer or something like that, if your meters or your indicators, your sound indicators on your equipment, if they are going from green to yellow into the red, the red is telling you that you are going outside of the boundaries allowed for audio or for recording purposes. And that limit is typically zero dB. If you go over zero dB, you are going to distort. Your sound will be scratchy. uh, It will make popping noises and nobody's going to enjoy your music. That's the first thought. You just can't simply crank up the volume on your song in order to make it loud. Now, next thing, some of you may be wondering, well, why in the world do I want to make my song loud? Many of you out here already know the answer to that, but I'll I'll answer it for those of you who may be new to this. When you make your song louder, and bigger, you are on par with all of the other commercially released music out there. So in other words, when you hear a song, you know, streamed on, you know, your playlist from Spotify or Apple or wherever, the music on there, if you listen from one song to the other, the volume in many instances is very consistent. Now, the problem is when people who are not as adept in creating and producing music will put their music up on these platforms Their track comes on, they don't sound as bold. They don't sound as full. And as a result, you sound like an amateur from the start. And that is one of the reasons, one of the major reasons why you want your track to be louder. The next thing is, it's just more engaging. It has more energy. It just draws people in. In the world that we live in, attention spans are short. So if you can jump in front of someone and have a lot of energy in your song, in the right places, of course, then you stand a better chance of of captivating your audience. There are a few other reasons why you want your track to be loud, but the biggest one that I just mentioned is simply being on par with what is now understood as an industry standard in terms of volume. And I know there's some debate about that as well because how we treat volume today in today's popular music is very, very, very different than way back in the day, like in the, the, the 80s or the 70s or the 60s. So again, in today's environment, there is a certain standard when it comes to volume. So that leads me to one of my other points here before we really dive into the actual tips I want to give you today. I want to just lay a bit of groundwork here because I mentioned at the very beginning, there's a lot of thoughts I have about this, but I want to give uh, some basic groundwork just so that we're on the same page. So 
The next thing when it comes to this volume that I just alluded to, this popular sound, as it were, this loudness standard is being used across many, many different genres. It can be country, it can be rap, trap, electronic, folk, you name it. This way of recording and mixing and mastering, it's just a trend right now because, again, everyone is looking to be on par with one another. And again, that's not true in every instance, but I can guarantee you that it's true in many instances. All right, so so let's go back to it, right? So you have these commercially released songs out there and they have a certain sound quality to them. If you have a commercially released song or track, in many instances, there's been a lot of money spent on putting these songs and these tracks together. And they've probably have gone through or to huge multi-million dollar studios or gone to the best engineers and producers and, and mixers and audio engineers and all that stuff. For many of us in the the swim audience, you're probably not on the level of going to your L.A. or your New York studios or wherever else it may be in the world, Nashville, what have you, to have your music mixed and mastered. If you are, more power to you. This episode will still help you. But for the vast majority of us who are creating music on the indie level, on the independent level, you're looking for ways to get close to those types of sounds, right? And with that brings me to one of the first things I want to mention here in terms of laying a foundation. I always recommend when you're trying to achieve this big sound, get a reference track, get a reference track. What I mean by that is find a commercially released song or a popular song that's out there and try to choose a song that's in the same genre as yours and load that song up into your digital audio workstation You have this reference track, right? It's loaded up into your digital audio workstation. The very first thing that you're going to notice when you load up that audio clip into your digital audio workstation, visually, you're going to see that that song in many instances will occupy the full height of the audio clip window. So in other words, left to right will be the length of the song starting from zero seconds all the way down to whatever, three, four minutes, what have you. But the the distance between the bottom of that audio clip and the top, that represents the overall volume. If you look at it, you will most likely see that it looks similar to maybe a rectangle with some ridges just below the edges, again, top and bottom. What that's telling you visually is that at those points, the sound is at the maximum level, which happens to be zero dB, of which I mentioned earlier uh, when we just got started. So what they're doing is they're going all the way up to the maximum volume without going over. So I want to go back to the point that I made earlier. Why not just turn the volume up? Well, for most of us, we do have parts of our song that may get up to the very edge of that audio window, top and bottom, that represents zero dB. But to go beyond that point on that audio clip, beyond zero dB, you're in that red area, as I mentioned before, and you are clipping. So that window that you're looking at with that audio signature, if it goes beyond that window, top and bottom, the sound will be shaved off. At that shaved off part, that's where you're gonna get your distortion. That's where you're gonna get your clipping. Hopefully that makes sense. The point is, visually, you're going to see some very important clues as to what your track should even look like once you're done. Forget about what it sounds like. 
it should actually visually come out similar to what you're seeing. If, on the other hand, you're seeing a lot of spiking in your song or in your audio clip, the visual representation of it, the sound waves or what have you, if you see like this jagged, up and down, up and down, peak and valley type of thing throughout your the entire song, chances are you are missing a lot in terms of creating maximum volume. And odds are your song is not going to sound anywhere near as full as the one that you put into your digital audio workstation for reference. Okay, so now that is most of the groundwork that I want to lay in terms of getting into it. All right, cool. So here's the next thing. As I go through some of these tips here and as I get into it, the reference track was the very first tip here. But as I get into some actual practical hands-on things here in terms of dealing with your, your song, know that I'm going to start from a very granular or very tiny level and I'm going to start building upon concepts. So I'm going to start inside of your song, inside of your mix, and then we're going to keep building, 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 building until we get to the final stage where you have your final audio clip of what you'll be comparing to that reference track that we talked about uh, a few moments ago, the one that you imported or will import once you're at that final mastering stage or at your final mixing stage. All right. So again, we're starting inside the song and we're going to keep building, building, building out until we get to the complete recording of your, your, your material. And by the way, and we've done this in other episodes, I'm going to bring in an audio track that I created or a music track that I created uh, to illustrate a few points here. Here's the very first tip I want to recommend for you in terms of creating this bigger sound. You need to create the perception of loudness in your music. That's the very first tip. And I'll tell you how to do that here in just a moment. But again, the first hands-on tip for you is to create the perception of loudness. What do I what do I mean by this? Imagine right now, right, you are watching some type of um, thriller movie or some type of uh, scary movie or what have you. Have you ever noticed in those key scenes? Let's say uh, there's a scene where someone's walking into a house and it's all creepy and it's dark and everything else, and the the filmmaker is trying to really scare like scare you to death, right? If you pay attention, what happens is that all of the music and all of the surrounding sounds typically will go way down. All you hear is maybe the faint, panicked breathing of the of the person or the character that's on screen. And you hear the floor creaking, but it's absolute silence. And then out of nowhere, you know, I don't know, something crashes behind that person. It startles them half to death. If you're watching the movie, you jump in your seat, and you look around, there's a cat that knocked over a cup or something stupid like that. The point is, the filmmaker creates the perception of loudness, that crash, by having a difference in volume. Meaning, there was absolute silence just before the crash. That's how you create that drama. That's how you create, create the perception of loudness. All right, so what does that have to do with you as a music creator? If you want your music to sound loud, you have to make your audience feel that it is loud. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. If you want to make your audience feel that your music sounds loud and is big and is bold, you have to make them feel that it is. Okay, how is that done? It's done by what I just illustrated prior in my example with a movie. 
difference in volume. Specifically, I recommend that you create varying volume levels in your song by section. Let me give you a specific example related to music. A few years ago, I was um, I created a track and uh, a good friend of mine who's in the business, He's uh, he does a lot of audio engineering and everything else. And I had created this uh, electronic uh, dance track. I was pretty proud of it. The production was pretty sweet. The mixing was sweet. And you know, I let him hear it. I'm, I'm just thinking he's going to automatically just start to gush and just give me all the all the praises about how you know sweet I am as a, as a producer. And uh, he didn't. And he's like, "Hey, Walt, the song is all right. The lyrics are all right. The melody's all right. Listen, the the energy from the verse to the chorus back to the verse it never changed. It was just one volume, one speed, if you will, or one gear." And it was present throughout the entire song. So it felt like the song was just energy wise, just droning on and on and on and on. His recommendation is like, listen, Walt, why don't you bring the the verses down just a bit? Bring some of the energy down just a bit. And when you finally go into your chorus, the audience feels like the chorus is really now starting to hit ultra hard. But if the verses are going hard and the choruses are going hard and the intro's going hard, the bridge is going hard, the perception of loudness never occurs because it's just one speed all the time, all the time. And so my point for you is if you are looking to create a loud and bold sounding track, have varying levels of volume for your different sections in your song. All right, let me do this. Let me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play a track for you. And it's going to be a very short track that I created for this series here. And we're going to be playing this track multiple times to illustrate uh, a lot of different points here. But let's just start with the, with the previous thing that I mentioned. Varying volume levels. Take a listen as to where the volume difference is in terms of section. And think about which section is the louder section. Take a listen. So there's the example. If you're listening very carefully and had your volume at one place for the entire time, the first section was the lower volume section, not by much, but the next section definitely pushed up to another tier or level when it comes to volume. There was a difference between those two sections and musically they changed. There's a kick drum in the first section and then the snare drum took over in the second section. But again, the latter was a lot louder. So it created the perception of loudness because it started, the track started pretty hot, started pretty loud, but then I took it up just a bit more on the final portion of this song here. So again, the perception of of loudness will allow for your track to bang a lot harder. Okay, and with that, let me move on to my next point. I'm going to kind of tie the um, the previous point into this is in order to achieve 
the perception of loudness, what I've done in some songs, and this one included, is when I start to group my instruments together, which I do, like my drums or my rhythm, uh, I'll group all of my keyboards together, I'll group all of my uh, bass synths or bass guitars together or actual guitars, I'll group all my vocals together in buses or folders. When I do this, I like to automate Sections. So when I have my intro, I'll say to my digital audio workstation, hey, volume wise, let's pull certain things down. Let's pull the entire mix down. So automation in terms of creating these different step ups and step downs in terms of volume is going to help you substantially in creating an overall louder mix. So again, if your song just has one speed, one gear, you're never going to really create, you're never going to be able to create the perception of loudness. So use envelopes or automation to draw in like little plateaus in your song. So visually, I'll look back at my song and I say, hey, all of my verses, as an example, uh, they may be down, I don't know, two or three decibels overall as compared to, you know, the choruses or the bridge. And then maybe for my bridge, if I really want to take it to like the highest level, my bridge may be one dB higher than any other previous portion of the song. And I achieve all of this by way of automation. So that is my next tip for you to use envelopes and automation to create sections for your song. And you're able to drag those sections up collectively or down collectively to achieve these various levels. All right, let's move on to the next point here, compression. Compression is the secret weapon to creating a very, very loud mix. Now, mind you, it's not the only thing, but it is a major ingredient for achieving a loud presentation of your song. But I want to make a quick disclaimer about this. I am not at this point talking about compression on your master bus or your main volume area here. I'm talking about compression within your music. Remember, we're starting from the inside and we're pulling back. Let's not think about compressing your entire song right now. We will talk about that in in a bit. But for right now, compression for various instrumentation within your song is your friend. And for those of you who are not really familiar with the concept of compression, I saw someone the other day uh, in one of the music groups I'm a part of online, they were complaining about how how frustrating and complicated compression is. It can be. And, and most compressors have five different major components. So the point is, if the if the concept of compression just gives you a headache and you feel like you don't know really what's going on, I really recommend that you save this episode so you can keep up with where we are. And again, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything else. But go over to our main website, which is successwithmusic.com and look for episode 44 and 45. Both of those episodes deal with compression in the five elements that are found in most compressors. That will give you better insight on what we're going to talk about here in just a second. All right, so for those of you who know how to handle and manipulate your compressor, let's let's talk about how we can make it work to your advantage. Now, the first thing is, I highly recommend that the things within your your mix that may be, um, let's say, inconsistent, that you compress them. 
So for instance, if you have vocals in your song and the vocalists, uh, they were belting out some of the words and then maybe they were whispering some of the words and then um, maybe some of the P's or T's are kind of spiking when you look at the audio clip. That is a track where you probably will need some compression. The reason why you want to compress that and the reason why it will have an effect on the loudness of your overall song is all about audio energy. So whenever a vocalist has a spike in their their singing, that energy at that point can potentially push the overall track volume beyond zero dB. Or it can start to crowd up the space, the audio space that can be used for something else. So for instance, if that P or T or that pop in the vocal is out there at a point where the kick drum is dropping or the bass is dropping, that vocal spike may actually reduce or attenuate the energy of the kick drum at that very moment or the snare or whatever else should be predominant right there. So if you don't want your vocal to really jump out at that very moment, you're, you're going to need a compressor to squish that vocal down to where it's not taking up extra space, space that should be used for other instrumentation. So hopefully that makes sense. Your compressor should be used to control anything that you see from an audio clip standpoint that is up and down or spiking to the very edges and then is very thin and then it spikes up. You don't want that because again, those spikes, those collective spikes will start to rob your song of the overall energy. That energy can be used to raise up other things that you want to bring to prominence. So that's why I mentioned at the very beginning that if you're your your final recording for your song looks like a whole bunch of spikes. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. That's not going to give you a loud sound. Sure, it's loud at those up parts or those spiked parts, but everything else is down in volume. Whereas that reference track that we talked about, if you look at it, in all likelihood, when the song is the loudest, you're going to have that long rectangle. Sure, there may be some ridges at the very edges of that rectangle, but what it's telling you is that the volume is riding right near the maximum and they most likely strategically use compression within the song at the instrument level, at the mix level, to where nothing spikes up and robs the other energy around that time. That's why it looks so uniform from left to right, again, at those loud sections. I'm hoping that this is really starting to, to, to click for you. So within your song, within your mix, make sure that you compress things that have the tendency to go up and down quite a bit. And even if you have an instrument or a sound that's pretty consistent, you still may have an issue with transients. And if you're not familiar with the term transient deals with when a sound hits. So for instance, if you have a snare drum that you have a snare drum clip or maybe a sample that you have of a snare drum, the very first part of that audio signature you'll see is it's very tall top to bottom and then it trails off into kind of a triangular shape, right? So that initial wide part or the tallest part of that audio clip it may cause your overall volume to start to spike. You may like that snare and you want to keep it there, but the initial hit is taking too much audio space or energy away from your mix. This may be another instance to where you can use compression. You can compress 
the energy of that initial hit of the snare while retaining the trail off of the sound. And if you use some light compression on the snare, it's going to reduce it just a bit, but it's going to also open up room for other instrumentation at that point. The same logic applies to your kick drums, like your 808s and things like that. Or if you have, let's say, you know, percussion or your shakers or your tambourines or whatever it may be, anything that can really have a hard, energetic transient, your compression can be used to lessen the blow to the other instrumentation, allowing that sound to get through allowing it to retain some of his energy, but not so much to where it robs the rest of the song of its space for additional sounds. All right, so I feel like we've covered quite a bit today, but I know that we've still yet to really get into a lot more things that will help your mix become louder. So I said it before, please subscribe to the podcast because there's a lot more that uh, I have for you. So yeah, according to my notes right now, I mean, I'm only at point number three on my list and my list goes all the way up to 11. So that tells you that there are a lot more things that we can do together to get your song to where you want it to be. So again, subscribe to the podcast. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss the rest of the content that we're going to be dropping. We're going to get into side chain compression removing phantom energy. Man, there's a lot that we're going to talk about. So make sure you subscribe. Check us out over at our website. That is successwithmusic.com. Successwithmusic.com. And if you're feeling special, baby, go over and give us a review on iTunes. Hey, we would love the social proof that we out here and we're trying to help you get better. That's what it's all about. Help us to keep doing it. Just subscribe, leave some reviews, And make sure you get at us on the next episode. Don't miss out on making your track louder.